Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. All right, guys, my name is Eric. If I haven't met you, it's a privilege to be here uh, tonight and be able to teach to you guys uh, this series, which I actually think is a pretty cool series. I don't know who came up with that idea, but I love it, The Conversations with Jesus. Um, so I'm very excited to be here. Uh, a little bit, uh, I, I, to put us on the same playing field, I think that we can all agree that there's nothing, or I should have said there's nothing. There are very few things that are as annoying as when you're talking with somebody and you're telling them all good reasons as to why they should take your word for it, and they don't. Like, think about, for example, you're, you just watched the movie Batman, and you want to convince somebody, your friend, that is apprehensive about this movie. And you want to say, hey, listen, believe it or not, this guy that looks like a male version of uh, Taylor Swift, right, that he does not sprink, uh, uh, sparkle or sprinkle whatever you, he did on the Twilight movie. He does not do this movie. It is actually a pretty decent movie because X, Y, and, and, and C, right? And that person still is like, yeah, no, nah, I am buying it. Anybody done that? Just curious. Who has seen the movie Batman? Oh, yeah. You're like, ah, I don't know. Anyways. All right. But what about like when you, I may get in trouble with this, but like maybe you are talking with somebody that believes in a flat, flat earth theory, right? And you're arguing with them and you're telling them, hey, this is why that is not real. And then that person still doesn't believe it. Maybe you're someone that you believe in flatter, and you're doing the opposite. You're telling those that believe in that circle uh, world that it is not real, and they still don't believe it. You know how frustrating that is when you give them all the right reasons, and they still don't get it. Or when, you, when someone offends you, when someone comes to you and, say, and does something to you that really bothers you, that really you know, makes you mad, and you go out of your way, you talk to them, and you say, hey, this is what you did that you, of how you offended me, and they still don't get it. Isn't that frustrating? They don't want to just take your word for it. It don't matter what you say. It don't matter if you have all the right things to say. It don't matter if you have all the right evidence. They still don't want to take your word for it. They're apprehensive. They don't want to buy it in. I mean, I see in this plate. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I told myself I wasn't going to call out Nolan or uh, Mason. No, Mason. Nolan Mason. Nailed it. Or trend. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to call them out. I'm going to, you know, stay away from that. But I'm going to do it because I'm going to do it. So it's like I've seen them play out. It's like they go to a girl and they tell them, hey, listen, this is why you need to like me, but they sell them by it, right? <laughs> so I, you know, I, I haven't seen it, but I just, I can see it, right? You all, we all can see it, right? There's, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you know, long story short, how interesting it is, though, that we do the same thing when it comes to God. You know, we, you, you may read your Bible, you may do your devotionals, you may come to church on Sunday, you may come to Thrive, and you hear the Word of God being taught to you, you hear all the things that God has to say to you through His Word, and somehow there's still something in you that you don't want to take His Word for it. It's like you start playing uh, Shark Tank with God. You say, God, God is telling you, hey, these are all the things that I got for you, and yet you're sitting on the chair... You get to make a decision with what he's telling you, and somehow you find yourself saying, you know what, God, I hear what you're saying. I can understand where you're coming from, 
but this is not working with me. I still don't see how that can work out, so for that reason, I'm out. Isn't that something that we, we, if we're not careful, is something that often happens when it comes to our faith? And what we're going to see today in the passage that we're going to be covering is someone who actually was able to do that. For some of us, it may come along the lines of whether or not you want to believe on God or not. I'm going to move this, and I'm going to knock it out. Been there. Uh, Or... It comes even as a Christian, you still, there are things that God will say in his word that you still are apprehensive, that you still find yourself not wanting to take his word for it. So let's join in, join me as I read from the book of John, John chapter 3. It's a story about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very prestigious man in the culture of Israel. He was someone that was not only reputable, but he was part of an elite group of people. He was part of what, of what they would call the Sadd Sadrians. It starts with an S. It's this select group of people that they were the religious leader of the Israel nation, that they made decisions for people. They were the ones that uh, basically were in the midst of, of condemning Jesus as to why he needed to go die on the cross. They were people that had power in the culture. But not only that, he was also a Pharisee. He was a teacher. He was someone that supposedly needed to know the Bible or knew the Bible or or not the Bible, but knew the the law, the Old Testament, what God had been said in the past, all the prophets. He should have known all those things. And yet you're going to see a man of this caliber still being having an apprehensive faith, still being hesitant in whether or not he should believe in what God, Jesus was telling him. So join me, chapter 3, John, we say, uh, verse 1, it says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 8. The wind blows where he wishes, and you hear a sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everybody who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you, aren't you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you early things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except, the, except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as, mosted, as, mosted, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So you can see here in this in conversation, you have this religious leader. You know, there are some guesses as to why he chose to meet with Jesus at the end of the night. Whatever you land in the argument, the, the, the point is clear. He wanted to have an intimate time with Jesus where he was, or an interrupted time with Jesus where he could get all his questions out. He wanted to have this conversation with Jesus. And there was not a better time to do that with someone like his caliber and also with someone like Jesus. There was not a better time to do that at night. So they're meeting in this 
you know, uh, they're, they're in this meeting place. Many people believe that they were meeting in a rooftop because that's how things were in, the, in that culture at the time. If you were meeting during uh, a night, it typically happened on a rooftop, which will explain why he's, Jesus used a reference on the wind. Nonetheless, you see this two having a conversation. And you'll see in the story there are three evidence reasons as to why he had an apprehensive faith. Reasons that you and I at times are apprehensive when it comes to believing what God has to say. We think reasons as to why when we read, when we hear someone teach this or that about God, when we read in our devotionals, when we, you know, come across some Bible verse on the street or someone comes and shares some truth to you, these are reasons why sometimes it is hard to take God's word for it. So, number one, we'll see in verses one and two, we hear it, but we don't want to believe it. So, this is what it says. Verse 1 and 2, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jewish. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless it is with him. As the study developed, you, if, you, if you were to just take that verse, you could, could come to the conclusion that this man already was a believing or believe of Jesus. But it is evident as you continue this, the, to read in the story that that was not the case. This was a man that had, was apprehensive. He's coming to Jesus and say, hey, we, had, we have heard of who you are. We had heard that you are a teacher. You be going around ta- t- talking about, you know, you being the son of man, talking about what, how God sent you here to, to do this and do that. And we have heard also the miracles that you have made and, and how you have do th- done this and done that. And so there is evidently, there's, there's no way that you could do those things unless you were the son of God. But did he really believe that? Or was he actually trying to guess, trying to see what Jesus will say? And in Jesus' response, that we're going to get that in a second, you will see that he didn't get it, that he was not understanding. And how often it is it true that when it comes to something in the Bible, someone, something that so a, a pastor teaches, something that you come across on, on whatever way, that you hear it, but you don't believe it? God, yes, there is a blessing in living a life that is pure. There is a blessing. It is, it is to live a life that honors God in every area of your life, specifically in the area of purity. It's a blessing. Uh, uh, um, how does it say? Uh, blessed are those whose ways are pure. I hear you, God. I believe. I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know because, I mean, what I'm doing right now is pretty fun. What I'm doing right now, is, I enjoy it. I hear you, but I don't feel it. You're dealing with anxiety and depression, and you hear, you hear the message of, like, come to me who are heavy-weighted, heavy and I'll give you your rest. I hear you, God, but I don't really know how that's possible. I don't really know how you can really make, you know, help me with this that I'm dealing with right now. How is it that you can make my, 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 my burden light? And then you see quickly how an example like this can play out in your life and in my life where we hear what God is saying, but we don't believe it. We don't take his word for it. We're hesitant. We don't want to jump in. The, jump in. It's kind of like when you go cliff jumping for the first time, you see your friends jump into the cliff and going down, and, and they're fine, and then now it's your turn, and you're standing on the cliff, but somehow you're still afraid because you don't know if you're going to make it. You're apprehensive. And how similar that is when it comes to believing things that God has to say. You, you hear it, but you don't believe it. 
Another reason is that we can get lost in the details. Verse 4. So Jesus goes on and explains to him all the, uh, how you need to be born again and how for, you, for he to be able to understand who he is, he needs to be born again. And we'll get into that in a second. But Nicodemus responds and says, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into this mother's womb and he be born again? So Jesus tells him, and I'll just read it just so that we, we can hear the whole picture. Verse 3, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus read, said that, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Jesus clearly was pointing out something to him that he should have known. You see, as a, as a teacher of God's word, as a, as a teacher of Israel, that was a title, that was a reputation that he had. He was a prestigious person. He should have known the prophecies that were given about a day that a man was going to come to deliver not only the nation of Israel, but the world from sin. He should have known that, by, that, that God was going to send a man, that by his wounds we will be healed. And yet you see him in his interaction. Jesus is explaining him. But instead of actually listening to what Jesus is trying to tell him, he gets lost in the little details. And so he's apprehensive. How can it be possible for a man to actually go into his mother's womb and then be born again? It's impossible. It's not logical. That's, that can't happen. And how often do we do that with our faith? We come across things about God. We come across things about what, what he has to say to you and what he has to say to me. And we get lost in the little details. Instead of actually understanding and listening and seeing what he is saying to us, we get apprehensive because that little detail that we just don't understand. How is that possible? How can I, Jesus, I hear you. I know what you're saying. I, I don't believe it. But not only that, I can see where you're coming from. But, man, like, I just can't get past this one thing. I mean, I, I, it surprises me sometimes when, when, I, when, I, when I, interact, I have interacted. There's someone I, uh, in my life that I interact and I share the message of the gospel. That, Jesus, that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for his mistakes, for my mistakes, for your mistakes, for all of us mistakes. So that through his sacrifice on the cross and the fact that he rose three days from the dead, we can be saved. And I'm interacting with this individual, and he's saying, yes, Eric, I understand that I am a sinner. I understand that I deliberately do what is wrong. I understand that I deliberately choose what opposes God, what would oppose God. I understand that there was a man named Jesus that came to this world that died on the cross. But man, and I, and I hear you, and I can see that if I was to believe in him, my life will be transformed. I can see that, but man, I cannot get past the fact that he rose from the dead and just on that alone which is a huge thing don't get me wrong that is a major thing if you don't believe in that then you don't believe in the gospel but still that one thing keeps him from placing his trust in Jesus now that is on a big scale but how about in little things in your life things that God will tell you through his word through the teaching of his word by people coming to you this is what you need to do. This is what you should consider doing. This is what is important in your life. And man, I don't, that little thing keeps you from actually following through with that. How often is that the case? The third thing we'll see is in verse 9. 
Not only we hear it, but we don't want to believe it. Not only we get lost in the little details, but sometimes we just don't get it. Verse 9, it says this. So Jesus goes on and answers his question, explains to him what it is that he means by being born again. And then in verse 9, my guide says this. Well, how can these things be? Like, Jesus just explained to you what this thing, how these things are. But why aren't you getting it? Isn't that often the case, though, when, when something has been so clearly put in front of you, so often be put in front of you, and yet you don't get it? I don't get it? Man, it is so important for you to recognize that as a Christian, you need to have uh, biblical discipline. And by this we mean, spiritual discipline, by this we mean that you need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to find fellowship. You need to be part of a church. You need to do X, Y, and Z. It's being thrown at you over and over and over and over. But man, you just don't get it. Hey man, there's nothing better than to live a life that is honoring to God. There's nothing better to live a life that is, that is pleasing to God. And yet we still don't get it. When it's time to make decisions, we're so quick to give up on that. We're so quick to actually follow through. And we could go on and on and on on examples about how this plays out, but the reality is the same, is that sometimes, even though it's right in front of us, we just don't get it. And because we don't get it, we're apprehensive. I'm not going to take your word for it because I don't get it. So, in contrast, I love how Jesus deals with him. See, when someone is apprehensive, there's always something that they're holding on to. For that person that is standing on the cliff, what they're holding on to most of the time is fear. Their fear is what's keeping them from experiencing that moment of them being able to jump on, uh, uh, on the, up the cliff. For that person that, that hears that God is telling them he to do X, Y, and C, there is that one thing that is keeping them from doing that. For a girl to be going on a date with Tran, there's a lot of reasons that is keeping them from doing that, right? But there's, <laughs> nonetheless, I had to do it. Nonetheless, there's always something that you're holding on to that is, makes you apprehensive about things. There's always that, at least that one thing. And it is true as well of your faith. There's always that one thing that we're holding on to. But anyways, here I love this about how Jesus responds to someone like him that had an apprehensive faith. So the very first thing is that he will speak directly to the heart. So uh, Nicodemus doesn't get it. He doesn't understand uh, that who Jesus is. He doesn't understand. He's trying to kind of put Jesus on, 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 a, on a trial and see who really you are. I mean, I've been hearing about you. I heard about these things. But who really are you? So Jesus goes straight to the heart. He says, hey, you're trying to understand. Truly, truly, I said to you, unless you are born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What you're asking, what you're trying to understand, that's not going to happen unless you are born again, unless you are a new creation unless you believe in the message of the gospel this is what jesus is trying to do he goes straight to the heart for someone that is apprehensive in their faith the way that jesus deal with us is that he'll go straight to your heart he will put it right there in you that even though you may not get it that even though you may hear it and you don't want to give in nonetheless it's right there in your heart where you know he's talking to you where you know he's telling you what you need to do just a matter of you actually following up. So you see that he will speak to the heart. Number two, you see that he will patiently remind them of the big picture. 
I love this interaction because, I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. Jesus, the Son of God, could have made the case that he didn't have any time to waste with this man. He is all-knowing. He knew how this conversation was going to go. He could have foreseen this and said, you know what? This guy is not going to get it, so I'm not going to waste my time and go to a rooftop or go wherever in the middle of the night and have this conversation to him. I'm not going to waste my time to have this one-on-one with this individual. He could have done all of those things, and yet even after the guy was not getting it, Jesus still takes the time to remind him of the big picture. He says here in verse, in verse 5, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So he's making this case with this guy. Say, hey, listen, the reason why, how you can be born again is like this. At the time, he would have been familiarized with who John the Baptist was. John the Baptist was someone that was, a, was, was an, a messenger. He came out sharing a message that there was someone coming after him that would be greater than him. Someone by whom we will be redeemed. Someone by whom God will use to save the world. And this man will preach a message of repentance. His message of repentance was this. You are a sinner. I'm a sinner. We need to repent. And so this is why they, what Jesus means by the message of the water, by, by water. And, and, and I don't want to get in, in whole detail on this going on, but for us to understand the context, this is what's going on. He's explaining to this guy, hey, you are familiarized with this message of repentance. Now I'm coming here and I'm saying to you that this message, who he was talking about that will come, that is me right now. I am the one that God has sent. I am the one that has come to deliver not only the nation of Israel from their sin, but the whole world. He is the one that when John the Baptist saw him, said, Behold the Lamb of God. He is the one. And Jesus takes the time to walk him, to remind him, this is the big picture. Don't get so caught up on how you can go back into your mother's womb, uh, on the logistics of how that will play out. The picture is this. You want to understand what it's like, that what is going on. You want to understand what is happening. You want to understand the miracles that I'm doing. You need to be born again. And the way that you're born again is by repenting and believing in the message that he's preaching. And that's why at the end he says, you don't see where the wind comes. You feel the wind, but you don't ever wonder where it's come from. Well, same thing is with faith. You don't see it, but you know that the Holy Spirit is there. You know that the Holy Spirit is present in your life and that he will direct your step. Even though you may not see it, even though you may not feel it, he is there. You never wonder whether there's going to be wind or not. The wind is just there. And same will be true of the Holy Spirit. But I love how patiently Jesus walks this man, how he reminds him of the big picture, and how he does that with us too when it comes to what he's telling us. Isn't it amazing when you come to church and you have been hearing something over and over, and then there's that one day where you come and it finally clicks, you get it? It's like, man, I, I get it. Yeah, I have to do this. I have to step up. And I love that because it's what exactly what we need. We don't, have, we don't serve a God that gives up. We don't serve a God that just puts us aside. We don't serve a God that just gets annoyed at the fact that we don't get it. He's patiently reminding us of the big picture. 
And the last thing he sees is that, and I chose this word, even though I may have a hard time pronouncing it, but I love it, but he will be unwaveringly, nailed it, get his point across. I love this. If you see in verse 10 and verse 15, he's, and we just saw how he doesn't get it. This guy still says, well, how can this thing be? He just explained it. So Jesus going and get his points across. He says to him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? That is the title right there. He's saying, to him, aren't you supposed to be this guy that is known to be, uh, uh, to, be a, to be knowledgeable of the word of God? Aren't you this individual that is prestigious? Aren't you supposed to know these things? Aren't you supposed to know what the Bible says? Right? Aren't you and me supposed to know what God says? If we really call ourselves Christian, shouldn't we be supposed, shouldn't we supposed to know what it says? And yet, you know, like him, this is what it plays out. It says, truly I say to you, we do not speak what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you early things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I, if I do, if, how can I believe if you, I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This guy don't get it. Jesus doesn't give up. He's going to unwaveringly get his point across. He's going to remind them of what he is trying for him to understand. He references Moses at how the serpent was lifted up. In the Old Testament, if I believe it's in the book of Exodus, you may find that uh, there's a story of how the nation of Israel has deliberately chosen to rebel against God. They're doing exactly what God told him not to do. And as a result, God let go of a curse. And this curse was, were, were serpents that were going around biting people, and whoever that serpent bite, they will die. And this was going around on the entire campus. And so finally, Moses advocates with God for the, in behalf of the nation. And what God tells him is this, is if you want to cure, and I'm paraphrasing, if you want to cure them from this sickness, from this curse, you're going to have to pick up the staff that has a serpent of it, lift it up, and whoever looks at it and kneels before it and believes in it will be healed. That was a picture of what Jesus was going to do. In that through Jesus, the curse of this world, the curse that you and I have, which is sin, that it requires someone like Jesus to be lifted up on the cross and die for that curse, for your, for your curse, for my sake, so that through him we can experience eternal life. That is the message he's getting across. And in the same way, God is going to get his message across with you. Whether you want to accept it or not, whether you want to hear it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, the message is there. He's going to get it across. Unwavering means that no matter the circumstances, no matter what comes your way, you're still going to stay the same. You're still going to be unchanged. You're still going to be unmoved. His message will not be unmoved. His message will not be changed. It will still be delivered. It will be right in front of you. What he wants you to do, what he wants you to, to learn, what he wants you to understand will be right in front of you. It will just be a matter of not of whether you want to understand it or not. And I love this because we all know this verse, but we, very few of us know the context. In that conversation, Jesus says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know that verse, 
but very few of us know the context. This is what happened. This is what led for Jesus to say this famous verse. He was going to get his message across. If you want to understand who I am, what I am doing, the miracles, why I am here on this earth, if you want to recognize that I came here to this world to seek and to save the lost, you have to be born again. And the way that you're born again is by believing in the sacrifice of his son, that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. His message will get across. So let me end with this question. Is what you're holding on to worth missing out on the blessing and freedom that comes with believing on God's word? Is it worth it? Think about, I'm not, I'm not naive, the Bible talks about how his word goes on void, how it is sharper than a two-edged sword, that it pierces not only through the heart but through the soul. His, vo- his word will never go void. I am not naive that as we've been talking, something came across your mind about an area in your walk with God where you may have been apprehensive. Maybe there's someone here that you have been apprehensive about believing in Jesus. You have been coming here to church for so, or to thrive for whatever long, and you have heard the message of the gospel over and over and over. This message of freedom that is Jesus sent, or that God sent his son Jesus to die for you, for your sins, and three days later rose from the dead, and yet you're still apprehensive to believe it. Is it worth you not believing that? Is it worth losing an opportunity to experience eternal life? Is it worth it for you to deny the fact that Jesus said that he has come to give life, not just life, but life in abundance? Is it worthy for you not to take his word for granted and ignore that? For those of you that may, maybe the, what God has been t- talking to you is about, you know, for the guys and even girls at this point, to live a life that is pure. And by pure, I just don't mean watching porn. And by pure, I mean, you know, what you're taking in your body, what you're coming out of your body, whether it's sex, whether it's alcohol, whether it's, uh, and let me not say alcohol, uh, drunkenness, whether it's um, um, words in your mouth, like, like cursing, stuff like that. And you know that you shouldn't be doing those things, and you have been apprehensive on giving those things up because you think that what you're experiencing right now, that what, the, the, the enjoyment, the, the, the desires of the flesh are beyond better than what God has calling you to do. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to recognize, to ignore the fact that what God has given you surpasses anything that this world could offer you? Is it worth giving giving up this one thing so that you can win it all? Is it worth it? Is it worth it for you to be apprehensive about that one thing in your life? Is it worth you giving up on everything? Is it worth it? I don't know what you guys do afterwards. You guys just pray or? All right, let's pray, guys. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the fact that uh, you you did send your son to die on the cross, Lord, and how uh, he's patient with us, Lord, that even when we're apprehensive, when we don't want to believe what you say, Lord, that, uh, he, you know, he's still there. You still communicate to us truth. 
you're still reminding us of the facts, Lord, that uh, it was just a matter of us to actually taking the leap and understanding that we need to take our steps, Lord, to of obedience and believing in what you have to say, whether we don't feel it, whether we don't see it, Lord, whatever the excuse is, Lord, to put it aside and recognize that it's not worth it to miss out on the freedom and the blessings that come from following your word, Lord. That obedience is better than sacrifice. And Father, I pray that we will do that not only today, but every day of our life, that we will seek after you, Lord, that we will be committed to you, Lord, and that we will be people that are um, committed 100%, that there's not an area in our life where we are apprehensive, Lord, that when we come across what you say, that we know that it is the best thing for us, Lord, and that we will follow through with that. Father, we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, good evening and uh, thrive.